averaging the fewest air yards per attempt. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yards per attempt. everybody welcome in another fresh edition of yards per attempt with yours truly eddie borsilli it is the second day of november 2020 the raiders are coming off a win versus the cleveland browns in the ugliest of fashion 16-6 improving their record to four and three and let's jump in right away um this is what a john gruden identity game looked like the conditions were terrible. The wind was absolutely absurd. Anybody could see that on the field, watching on television. The wind was absolutely whipping. Just go to the Carlson first missed field goal. The guy kicked it straight at the uprights. It bends about 15 degrees to the left for a miss. These conditions were not ideal. And what does Gruden want to do? He wants to control the ball, control the line of scrimmage, and run the football. And run the football they did. And we'll get to that in a minute. But... It wouldn't be a Raider game, it wouldn't be a Raider win without some type of controversy, without some type of distraction, if you will, before the game. And news came out on Friday that Trent Brown came back from practice, from the COVID stuff, got back, was practicing. Everybody assumed that he'd be playing on Sunday. Then a report came out Sunday around 10.30 in the morning that Trent wasn't going to play, was going to be deactivated. And everybody kind of assumed that Maybe he just didn't get his win back from COVID. You know, I would like to say myself, you know, when it comes to Trent, it's such a tricky spot because we've talked about on this podcast before, you want to give human beings and, and, and players the benefit of the doubt when it comes to injuries and comes to stuff like that. But Trent has been so up and down this year in terms of the injury stuff, first with the calf, you know, then the COVID stuff, not wearing his tracer. So the fan base was quick to jump on the fact that Trent wasn't playing again, and hurting this football team. Now, it ended up being something really, really serious that a doctor basically screwed up, and he had an IV in the pregame, and air got into his bloodstream, which is ridiculously scary. And knock on wood, thank God he's okay, and he's probably still in a hospital recovering right now. So, look, it's a never-ending saga with this guy, unfortunately. It really is. It's, it seems to be always something since this guy signed with the Raiders injuries, you just everything seems to happen to this guy. Or he seems to be around that type of stuff. You know, it's never about just being on the football field. But this time, along with the COVID stuff, because COVID obviously, as we all know, is scary, was a scary situation. So we, we wish Trent the best. We hope he gets better. And, you know, we hope he gets back on the field. So you had that pregame. You had the, again, the Trent Brown saga pregame. They didn't release their inactives they were probably the last team to release their inactives because they were probably trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Gruden said post-game that Brandon Parker was supposed to be inactive, Sam Young was supposed to be the backup, and Trent was supposed to be the right tackle. So you're going into this game thinking that Trent's back. You have your offensive line, Sands, Richie, Incognito, back to full strength. And then an hour and a half before kickoff, Trent's getting wheeled out in a wheelchair. So it's pretty crazy stuff. It, as fans of this football of, of this football team... 
you know it's kind of par for the course. You know it's kind of, hey, you got to stay on your toes. Um, and we'll get to the right tackle situation. We hope Trent gets back for this week. You know, they need him. They need him to be successful. If, if they didn't need Trent Brown, look, all you have to, th- th- to think about is this. If they didn't need Trent Brown, if Gruden didn't think that they needed Trent Brown to be a playoff football team, this guy would have been gone a long time ago. A, he would have never been signed to that big of a contract, and B, Gruden would have put him up with, with a guy that misses as many games and practices as Trent Brown does. All right, but let's get back to the positive. Ugly football game. The wind, again, absurd. Snow, hail, rain. These are the type of football games coming to the East Coast in the Midwest, 1 p.m. kickoff in the East, that the Raiders and Derek Carr usually lose. Carr, look, let's, let's put it all on the mat. Carr is not comfortable playing in these type of conditions. He's a Fresno kid. He's a California kid. Who doesn't like throwing the ball when it's 75 and sunny? I would. But this is Cleveland weather. This is Cleveland December weather, and the Raiders got it on the first day of November. So the game starts out, the Carlson missed field goal, and you know it's going to be one of those games. But early on, and I will give total credit to this defense because this defense came to play this week. I understand that. There wasn't a lot of, again, pressures. There wasn't a lot of, of those things that we can get into later. But one thing that stuck out to me early on, Nick Kwiatkowski is a difference maker. Nick Kwiatkowski is always around the football. He's a tackling machine. And he's probably the best free agent signing besides Devontae Booker, the Raiders had this offseason. You know, he forces the fumble on the tight end early in the game. He almost had an interception later. He's always around the football making plays. So... Let's, as many as we talked about on this podcast last week, how many swing and miss they've had on free agency. Let's give credit to Mayock and them for Nick Kwiatkowski because this guy's a player. So early in the game, you have Nick Kwiatkowski being a difference maker, causing a fumble. What I also like too, and what I think Paul Gunther kind of schemed up a little bit, was more blitzing from the safeties. And again, this has to do with Jonathan Abram playing. He missed last week's game because of the absurd COVID rule that he had to come miss the game because of five days. Having Jonathan Abram back there coming off the edge is a big difference. Gives you the ability to put more pressure on the quarterback. So I liked Abram blitzing. I liked putting a little bit of pressure. And don't get me wrong. The defense played well. The Browns played like garbage. They were dropping passes. They, you know, Baker wasn't, you know, all this talk during the week that Baker was better off without Odell. This offense didn't look explosive to me. But again, it probably had more to do with the conditions. Then you get the rugs catch or non-catch for the touchdown. And I preached on this show last week how you want to get the ball into Henry Ruggs' hands more. I preached on here that they had to get the ball into that playmaker's hands more. They did that with Josh Jacobs. Jacobs went nuts. And we'll get back to him in a little bit. But you wanted, to get, you wanted Henry Ruggs to have the ball in his hands more. And I understand the game didn't call for it because of the weather. But the touchdown catch or non-catch hurt a little bit. With the you wanna you wanna see from Ruggs, you know, better feel for for where he is on the field and getting those two to tap the you know tapping his toes in the end zone. But it's a tough catch. You see with those smaller receivers, it's not always easy, or the I should say the fast receivers, it's not always easy to, to control their feet. But those are the things you want Henry Ruggs to work on. And I think that the chemistry between Carr and Ruggs, albeit wasn't there this week because of the conditions, I think it's coming. I think the game plan's coming. I think Ruggs is getting a little more comfortable 
in the offense. So that's a positive for me too. Get Henry Ruggs more more touchdowns, more catches, just just anything. Um, it was just such a weird game. Literally, you had three touchdowns overturned. Oh, you had the, the the Renfro one at the end, which was held up, but the Landry one from the Browns. It was just such a weird football game. It, it almost felt like a game that was going to be decided by the officials, and no one ever wants that. Um, the one thing that kind of stuck in my mind, how about the friggin' RPO from Derek Carr? Derek Carr running for running an RP, a, a run-pass option keeps it. And could, for the love of God, could the guy slide? Every time he gets hit, I just, I, I cringe. You just cringe. Slide, Derek. Get down and slide. Russell Wilson slides. All these guys slide. Get down. But you've seen this year Derek getting out of the pocket and moving around. Yesterday it was, you know, look, let's be honest. The line was collapsing a little bit. And I'll say it here on this podcast, and you guys, you might call me crazy, and maybe I've been stuck in the house too long. Brandon Parker is better than Sam Young. And I don't think I could say that Brandon Parker is better than any other tackle in the National Football League. But for the situation that the Raiders are in, Brandon Parker played better than Sam Young yesterday. Sam Young was getting killed by Olivier Vernon. That, that pocket was collapsing on Carr early on. And when Sam Young went out, and it seems like Sam Young goes out with an injury every single time, Brandon Parker stepped up and played well. So you're not going to be able to say that that much. I've called for that guy to be off the roster a long time, but he stepped up yesterday. So what you're seeing is you're seeing the comfortability of Carr outside the pocket, understanding that he doesn't have to throw on every single down, that it's okay to get first downs with your legs. Pat Kerwin says it all the time. Winning football teams get two to three, even four first downs from their quarterback running a game. If you, if you get those, the probability of winning goes up. When Derek escapes the pocket, you don't have to force footballs in to triple coverage just for a completion. You're athletic. Run. Extend the play. And you're seeing that, and that's a positive for the Raiders. It's only going to get better. And it's only going to get better, too, that Richie Incognito looks like he's trending to come back. And who knows about Trent Brown like we talked about. Um, let's also give a shout-out to Lomarcus Joyner who I told you should have been benched on this podcast last week. And he, I, I'll stand by that. But he probably made the two biggest plays of his Raider career in the fourth quarter of this game. Baker Mayfield into the end zone, reaches up with his left hand, deflects the pass, great job. And then the one to Landry where he's behind him and he pops him in the back, jarring the ball loose. So kudos to Marcus Joyner. He made plays when he had to. And that's kind of the story of the game, right? It's kind of... What you need a defense to be. You don't need, again, you don't need the 85 Bears. You don't need 27 takeaways a game. It's nice. It would be nice to have 8 to 10 sacks a game and interceptions all over the place. Bend but don't break. Stop them on third and longs. Get off the field. Now, it helped that the Raiders held the ball for so long. The Browns only had six offensive drives. Six. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. And it's, 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 again, kudos to the Raiders' offense and Josh Jacobs, who, look, man, when you watch him run, he gets better as the game goes on. He really does. He's such a bell cow in that sense that 
early on, he's trying to find his way. He's got good vision. But late in the game, man, you have to seal the game. You give it to Jacobs, and he's got that extra gear. That little hop step he does, it's pretty sweet. And Devontae Booker. You know, when they signed Devontae Booker, I just was like, why? Why, why do we need this? John Gruden just collecting running backs. Devontae Booker, again, right up there with Nick Kukowski as the best free agent signing this team has had. Because this guy, along with Josh Jacobs, has given this team a one-two punch. That, you know, Jalen Richard for what he does. And again, he had a good game yesterday too. What he does out of the backfield, choice routes, those things. Even the delayed handoff on the first down. So this, the, the running backs did their job yesterday. In a National Football League, again, people look at a 16-6 game and it's almost like you're like... It's a win, but is it really a win? Yeah, it's a freaking win. A win's a win in the National Football League, whether you score 40 points or you score 16 points. And with the conditions like that, and a, a quarterback and a team that, that doesn't win when it's under 50 degrees to come out with a win, that's a big statement win. That's a win you could hang your hat on because the Cleveland Browns are most likely going to be right there with the Raiders for the wild, in the wild card race. That's a team you're going to have to contend with. And having a win over them is big. Now, what excites me most but also gets me weary in a sense is the Raiders come through the stretch of games four and three with probably the hardest teams on paper behind them. And I tweeted out yesterday and you're like, yeah, you this, this, you know, they have some winnable games ahead of them, but in the grand scheme of things in the, in NFL 2020, you never know. You got Justin Herbert and the Chargers coming in next week. Herbert, I don't even think the Chargers knew Herbert was going to be this good. The guy's unbelievable. He really is. He looks like John Elway out there. Then you got the Broncos. The Chiefs. You got three home, you got three division games in a row. So yeah, we come through four and three, over 500, feeling good, but you have to take care of business against teams that you should beat. You should beat the L.A. Chargers, who can't get out of their own way to do stuff. You should beat the Denver Broncos at home. Chiefs game on Thursday night. Look, you beat the Chiefs already. Do it again. But after that, at the Falcons, out the Jets. We all know last year, I was at the game versus the Jets. A horror show. Playing, You cannot play down to your competition. You got through the Buccaneers and the Saints and the Chiefs and the Browns and all these teams with winning records. Over 500. Now you can't slip up and let these bad teams beat you. It just can't happen. So I'm excited that they got through that part of the schedule with those teams above 500. A couple of those games could have went either way. Could have been a loss here. Could have been a win here. But there's got to be a sense that you got, you got to keep your foot on the pedal. And just like we talked about last year, you can't go in and lay an egg versus the Atlanta Falcons. You can't go in and lay an egg versus the Jets. It just can't happen. The Jets are the worst team in football. I'm already nervous about that game. I, I honestly am. I'm glad that it's 2020 and, and the pandemic won't let me go to that game because I'd want to go to that game and it, it just met life as it just it scarred me for life. Bottom line in this football game was they went into a, a place with terrible weather versus a, a team that was 5-2 and two and they got the win. And they got the win controlling the clock, running the football like John Gruden wants. And the defense didn't give up a touchdown. Say what you will, you got to give credit where credit's due. Defense didn't give up a touchdown to a quarterback that threw for five touchdowns in a single game the week before. 
So credit's where it's due. But this, is, again, was Gruden's, you know, the, the, you always talk about a team's identity. Gruden's identity, this team's identity is a team that's going to grind it out and run the football and control the clock. That's what they are. They're not going to be this, you know, and they can be, just like how they were with the Chiefs. They can go out there and blow, blow for blow in the passing game. But if John Gruden had his way, that's, this is the way he, draw, he draws it up. Control the clock, run the football. All right, it's a busy week. Tomorrow's election day. Everybody go out there and vote. But it's trade deadline day. So I don't think the Raiders are going to be very active. It's such a weird year when it comes to trades because of the salary cap stuff that's coming next year. The cap is probably going to go down next year, first time ever. Well, first time in a long time, I should say. Or stay the same. So teams are looking to shed salary right now as opposed to taking it on. And it sounds like the Raiders are in that same boat. Personally, look, I'm always for trades. I'm always for bringing guys in. They signed David Irving. Let's see if he can get up to speed in a couple weeks. I would go after Ryan Kerrigan, honestly. He's a veteran guy that's not getting much snaps for the Washington football team. He could still get after the quarterback. Yeah, it might take away some snaps from some people, but Ryan Kerrigan's a guy I would target. And if they want too much and they're asking too much, I wouldn't overpay for him. Absolutely not. But he's a guy that could be a veteran guy you bring in here that could be big down the stretch for this football team. He's a guy that I would target. There's a couple other guys. Look, it's such it's so weird in the NFL. It's not like baseball. You always hear this guy's being shopped and this, this and that. When a guy's being shopped, he's one step away from being cut. You're gonna go trade for Takaris McKinley from the from the from the Falcons? I mean, you know, you're gonna try to catch lightning in a bottle with those guys? That's all it really is. Or do they go big splash and go after Stephon Gilmore and give up a first round pick and take on that salary? I just don't see it happening, to be honest. I don't see it happening in this 2020 COVID type world. So this is the roster, guys. This is the roster. That they're going to roll with. You know, they might do something small here or there. Maybe a little tinkering. Maybe in the back end safety spot. Hopefully. Bring in some new blood. Bring in some talent. Because I, I, I still think they need a safety. They need some help in that back end. But for the most part, this is the roster. This is the roster you're going to battle with. They need the younger players to step up and start making some plays especially on defense. You need Max Crosby and Clay and those guys to start making some plays. Mullen to keep on trending in the right direction. And you need Ruggs to get up to speed and, and just take off and launch and be that guy they drafted. Be the first wide receiver taken. So as much as I want them to go out and make some player trades, make some acquisitions, I think this is the roster you're going to see going down the stretch. And for a team that traded away a Cleo Mack and traded away Amari Cooper, you're trusting in that your younger players are going to learn faster, mature faster, and be, be game changers faster. And they need them to be. Because this is going to be a wild ride to the playoffs, guys. A wild ride to that playoff chase. There's an extra playoff team. They're going to be battling neck and neck with teams. You can't slip up. You got through these games four and three. Big win yesterday in Cleveland. Ugly football game. Go take care of business versus the Chargers. Go take care of business versus the, Bron versus the Broncos. Um, look, everybody, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy the wins when they come. Enjoy the trade down line tomorrow. Hopefully I'll talk to you at the end of the week. 
See you later.